Hour two back in here on a Thursday edition of Morning Drive. Nick Braden, D-Mace, Marquise. We will get to what makes football unwatchable for you, the fan, coming up in just a moment. But for the last 20 minutes or so, had a good conversation on athletes and the media and what is a privilege, what is a right, and how certain people handle their profession. Uh, let's get a call on this, 737-1025. Ray wants to chime in. Ray, you go ahead. You're on Morning Drive. Good morning. I think you both are correct, and you're coming at it from your perspectives in life, in that Derek is absolutely right that it is a privilege for them to answer questions, but you guys are correct that you have an absolute right to be there to ask the questions. And where this this has gone wrong way before clickbait, and this started way back when you had relationships between uh, media people who may not have liked a particular coach, who may not have liked a particular player, and they went out of their way to ask questions or things to specifically get under their skin or sort of gotcha questions. There are athletes who just aren't good people, who aren't nice people. You want them on your team, you want them playing for you, but they just generally aren't good people. So that relationship predates clickbait. And it's because of bad actions on just a very few people of both sides. And, and actually, just to take yeah. to take Ray's That's point fair. a step further, like remember way back in the day, like I'm talking back in the 40s, 50s, 60s, like people that were baseball reporters that followed some of these legendary Yankees, they were all buddy buddy oh, and would go on, have drinks. Dude, they, they rode on the plane with them. Yeah, like mm-hmm. even in the 80s, they were the, all the disarmed. Oh, now yeah, yeah. it's like you know the player feels like the media is out to get so, them. So the SEC and I don't know if you know this, Nick or, or Derek. The SEC used to have, and I can't remember what it's called. It's called the Skyrider Tour, I think, mm-hmm. where you literally would get on a plane. There'd be like twelve of you, and you'd fly all over the SEC and and meet up with coaches. And so you were friends with all these guys. And in fact, I think there's a lot of things that never got published because you were close with well, people. Well, now it's called SEC Media Day. Yeah, now it's <laughs> SEC Media Days, and there's 2,000 people credentialed, 800 of which don't belong there. Um, it, what, what's interesting is what, what's funny about this is, and this is a really, this is, I don't know how deep this gets or not. I think Americans as a whole are pushing back on clickbait in general. I, I think while there's still a a, and I don't want to say a dumb cross-section of the population, but it's hard not to call it simple, that, that still clicks on the slideshow of the cheerleaders, right? Like, I don't care. I've never clicked on that. I don't care. That's as clickbait as clickbait gets. I don't care about that. So I, But I think more people, especially in the last three or four years, can't imagine what that's directly related to, um, have, have sought out more authentic information. And, and they want the real stuff. It's why The Athletic is a thing now. The Athletic mm-hmm. is a thing because they wanted real journalists to do real writing and to not have to publish clickbait crap. And so there is a pushback on clickbait, I think, in general that's happening, which I think is good for everybody, good for the athletes, good for the sports, good for the fans, good for media. But it is a protected First Amendment right to, be in the, to have freedom of press in this country. And it is, the press is for the people it is for the people. The problem with freedom of press is that it turned into for-profit freedom of press. That's the problem. It's no different than prisons or hospitals. It shouldn't be for-profit. The press should not be for-profit because you know what happens? is exactly what Derek says. It's exactly what you said, man. As soon as it becomes a for-profit business, you have responsibility to shareholders and you've got to make money. And it, it didn't start that way. When the country was founded, freedom of press was about an unchecked, you know, sort of... Entity in this country that is there to protect people to tell the truth, for people to understand the truth. 
because freedom of press is a protected right in the First Amendment of our country. And that is different than clickbait companies that are now making money off of slideshows, right? Like, oh, let's, look at this mock draft, a 100-person mock draft. But you're going to have to click 100 times to see all 100 pick- yeah, pictures. Yeah, that's, that's the whole Bleacher Report and model. That, and that's crap. But, yeah. you know, but you know what Bleacher Report did? Is they built themselves up to a certain level, and then guess what happened? It didn't work anymore. They had to hire real journalists. Yeah. So they had to go hire Mike Freeman. They had to go hire really <laughs> good writers because they couldn't. So you can't survive on clickbait for long, like you can't be on that hamster wheel. No, it's true. It's got a shelf life. You, you've got you've got to bring in real people that do real work because eventually your fans want to real want to read real stuff. And I think that's a really positive sign because it means journalism is getting better for some people. I think the part of the parts of the industry are getting better. Look at Joe Rexroad, Adam Bingen, John Glennon at the Athletic. That is a good website with good journalists doing good work. So, what makes football the most unwatchable for you, the consumer? Because Monday mm-hmm. uh, night, obviously, there were some officiating issues with uh, Detroit and Green Bay. We talked about it Tuesday morning on the show in the opening segment. Uh, Clay Matthews, uh, Los Angeles Rams defensive end outside linebacker, tweeted this two days ago. The storyline of the 2019 season continues to be the ref's inability to make the accurate and correct call week in and week out. Al Riveron, who continues to blindly side with the refs and the current status quo, something must change. There's zero accountability from these officials as well as the guys in New York City. Now, that's, Dan, that's, quite, that's quite a quote right there. It, I think it's a great tweet, and I think it's accurate. I mean, every week we're watching all these flags. So it got me thinking as to what is the most unwatchable element of football. I'll throw out a couple of options in a second, but take a listen to Dan Orlovsky from ESPN on Get Up with Mike Greenberg, where he pretty much went off on officiating in the NFL. Owners, I'm talking to you. You don't have a problem. You have an epidemic. Your product is slowly being ruined by a third party that has no consequence to their actions. And you may not pay a lot of attention to social media, but you should, because not thousands of people, not tens of thousands of people, but millions of people are unhappy right now. And unhappy people don't spend money. America's favorite sport at times is becoming unwatchable because of bad officiating. And it's not an October 2020 fix. It's not a 2020 fix. It's an October 15th, 2019 morning fix. Your product is being ruined. You need to fix this now. That's the reality of this situation. We can no longer come on shows after a really good football game and have to talk about the bad officiating. The Detroit Lions fans and team should not have to go, oh, we should have played better. We, we grew up, it wasn't about, we used to always have coaches tell us, Ah, don't let the officials, they don't impact the football game. They're impacting too many football games. And I'm telling you, fans are sick of it. Dan Orlovsky on ESPN. So it got me thinking, is it the officiating in the NFL that makes it unwatchable? Is it as a college fan? Mm-hmm. Maybe you hate the fact that nobody plays defense by and large and there's too many points. Is it the NFL? Is it bad? Is it bad quarterback play that you deem unwatchable in this league? Okay. Here, yeah, here, yes, here, here it is. All of the above. Here it is. Um, and and I'm not saying that the officiating this hadn't been bad because it has been. Um, you know the the real the egregious things get pointed out, and 
you start to you, you kind of put a blanket over everything mm-hmm. when you know the Detroit Lions what happened with them then you just put a blanket over all the officials now there has been there have been some calls that have been scra- head scratchers but I think for the as a whole I think the league this officiating has been good. They've been what they've been. They, it's just been the same thing. But, but, you but have, doesn't it feel like you, every week you watch an NFL no, game and all you see are flags? But, but that's but that's the way it is. It's a game. It's a game. Did you gonna okay? There, there this, are gonna be this, broken rules. Yeah, yeah. Except this is what and and I totally disagree with Erlowski. Nobody stopping to watch NFL. Okay, <laughs> but don't you think it, ma- it makes it more unwatchable? No. There's no flow no, to the game. It's no, choppy. Listen, Every couple listen, of plays, no, no, we've no, got no. to stop well, it. Well, here's listen, the, do you want the numbers real fast before you get into this? Uh-huh. 7.8 penalties per team per game in 2016. 7.8 penalties per game per team in 2017. 7.8, so really consistent, uh-huh. in 2018, last year. This year, 9.1 penalties per, per game. So there's more than one full penalty per and you team know per why? game. And every single team, every single game. Now, again, that's just six weeks. But right. you know why? Because it's been this knee-jerk reaction thing. Let's overturn. Let's review the pass interference. Now the, the the refs don't know what to call that pass interference. They don't know what to call a certain things. It's that, and, and I believe as the, as the season go on, it'll start to get back down to that maybe eight in the seven, eight range as the season kind of bears itself out. The league always does this. They start off with throwing a lot of penalties, and it just kind of goes down as the season goes. But Orlowski, no one's stopping and watching the NFL. No one's going to stop watching the NFL, okay? But That's somebody just, like, not, like Goodell. Not, not, based upon the, not based upon the rest But somebody in the league has got to go to the head of officials and say, this is not good for our product and brand. Like less flags, so the better. Them, Let okay. these guys play. Well, so, so, Derek, so I, you want them to stop? Okay. So here's the thing: they can throw a flag every play if they wanted to, because there's holding every play. Sure. Um, so they can throw a flag just about every play they want to. Because I really want to get into this um, on the other side um, once we have a little bit more time. But they can throw flags every game, every play if they want to. We that's don't. Just, but that's just the way we, it is. We, we don't tune in. We don't pay our money. We don't invest our money or our time to see officials. We invest our – it's just like in baseball. I don't want to see Cowboy Joe West become a part of the show. I want to see the players. Hey, did, were, were the Green Bay Packer fans mad? I'm, I'm not even referring to that game. It's no, just, I'm just saying, was the Green Bay Packer fans mad? No. Okay. Braden's very happy okay. this morning. I don't like winning like that, but I'll take my W. But you're, damn right. you're going to watch it, ain't but, you? But, but I will say that the amount of penalty – I don't think anyone's not watching the NFL. You're right, Derek. It's, that's silly. What I think Dan's point is is that people are complaining about it. It's something that we don't like, and I agree with him on that. I don't like watching it because of that. I'm not going to not watch it. I still watch my team, but it is it is less watchable with the amount of penalties that are going on. And and nine, nine penalties per team, that's 18 penalties a game on average. That's too many. That's too many. And and so we got to he's, – he's right that it needs to be addressed. I, I, I think you're right, Derek, in that it's not affecting viewers. Like – People are still watching the product, They're, of course. Seven three seven one zero two five. We will come back, continue this conversation. It's morning drive live here on a Thursday on ESPN one zero two five. A game seven twenty one. Welcome back in Thursday edition morning drive. Nick Braden, D Mays, Marquise. Good to have you in here. 
So what makes football unwatchable to you? And obviously a lot of people irate over the amount of flags going on in the NFL, the officiating. Uh, I threw out bad defense in college football, inept quarterbacks in the NFL on Sunday. So what is it for you? Is, is it flags? Is it lack of defense? Is it poor quarterback play? No, it's just... Lack of defense doesn't bother me. It's For me, it's not... Football has never been to a point where it's been unwatchable. What... Yeah. To me, it's just there's more things to do now. There's more things on television. I have a different interests, different different interest when it comes to television. I will sit and watch a game, the Tennessee Titans game, but I'm not going to sit and watch five games because I got other things to do. I can watch other things. So it's not it's not the play on the field. It's not the officiating because I mean, when when you when you've played the game or watched it for a long time, you know there are going to be some calls that just, you know, make your blood pressure boil. You know, your pressure's going to go up. And if you don't pay attention to it, you're going to, you know, sit there and pass out because you're rooting or cheering <laughs> or so mad at your team or you're going to break your TV, as we've seen in social media post. post. What, was, it but, about, was it an NBA game last year yeah, where that kid went yeah. nuts the guy threw the tv across the room <laughs> exactly. and all his and all his boys in the room were like dude it's chill not out. that serious so it's not that that you know it's the the product on the field it's just that i'm gonna watch the titans i'm gonna watch baltimore if they're on and that's it i i'm just I'm, I'm, I'm because i have no interest in the other team other than maybe you know kansas city at times or but but from know, an Denver official standpoint though, at times well and maybe you're not the the right fan to talk about this yeah. right like maybe. I, I just always subscribe to the theory that the best officiating is the officials that go unnoticed yeah i agree with that. like at the end of a game if you didn't recognize a referee well then he probably did a pretty good job but what if he don't make the call that you think he should have made yeah, it's a balancing act. Yeah, it's I just mean, it's, it, it's, it is because the people those numbers that you threw out, um, Braden, uh, the average penalty the last couple of years, even then people were complaining. Yeah, I think it's about the severity of the missed call, right? The Saints, yeah, Rams call clearly. I, I, your question is interesting though, Nick. Just in general, is the game devolving for any particular reason on the field? Right? Is it because I don't mind like for for me, and I'll say this about any sport, I don't mind watching one nothing hockey games. I don't mind watching 5-4 hockey games. I like watching one nothing pitching duels. I like watching 9-8 baseball games. I like watching 9-6 LSU-Alabama games. And I like watching 45-38 LSU-Texas games. I like watching all the different styles of football, regardless of defense or otherwise. I, I, I know the casual fan wants fantasy stats, and, and they like offense, and I get that. Mm-hmm. But as a football fan, I love and appreciate great defense just as much as I love and appreciate great offense. What I do not like is slop. I don't like bad football. Like, pop in the tape of the Denver game. It's not just the Titans that were awful on Sunday. It was the Broncos, too. That was unwatchable garbage. Both teams on offense in particular. was uh, it, That was hard to watch because it was so bad. I don't like bad football. Even if it's close, bad football is what gets me. So if you're going to give me a baseball game that's 9-8, to eight, but it's because everybody sucks, <laughs> you know, all the pitchers suck and the hitters are just randomly getting on base, like, that's not fun. If it's a if it's Aaron Judge working a three two count and and hitting a home run off Garrett Cole, that's high level execution, right? So to me, it's about the quality of the play, and and I love I, I can watch nine six, I can watch forty five thirty five as long as it's well executed and well played, well coached, whatever. I I appreciate it. it's when you know if it's like seven turnovers and the balls flying, you're dropping passes and the refs are throwing flags and. 
You know, that that's when it's you start watching something. You're going, this isn't. Th- 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 what is this? This mm-hmm. is crap. I right. This is not what I like watching. And um, I, I don't. I don't know if the, I think the injuries to the quarterbacks. You can maybe point to the NFL this year and say there's so many good quarterbacks that are now no longer available. Like Andrew Luck, Big Ben, just got number of guys that are not playing has led to sloppier football. The Jets were unwatchable. Now Sam Darnold's back and you can watch him again, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I think maybe some of the quarterback play, increased penalties. I think all that applies to the conversation today. Seven three seven one zero two five. The number. Let's get to Ryan, who's next on Morning Drive. Ryan, you go ahead. Hey guys, um, I gotta say probably the one reason that some NFL is unwatchable is because of poor play, like you guys were talking about. But another reason why I don't watch a lot of NFL football is because when the Titans are on, that's all. That's the only game you get on TV. You go to any other place like Philly, New York, anywhere, a lot of games, you'll have two games on TV. You'll have one on Fox and one on CBS. Here, it's the Titans are on, and that's it. There's no other game on unless you have uh, the NFL Network or you go to a bar or someplace else to go watch the game. No, that's not true. I, yeah. I've had games this year when the Titans were a 12 o'clock kick where the, the opposite network had a game on or it came on in the later window. And, and, well, it, that, it, and that it doesn't apply depends. to the national conversation. We're sort of having a, a broad conversation, yeah. right? It, like, it, it all depends. Um, you know, there are some times where – you know the Titans game might might be the only game that's on, sure. um, and I'm cool with that. I you know I'm not I don't want to sit around and you know switching back and forth because again I've, I've you know I've explained there's only maybe two teams three teams maybe but there are two teams definitely that I want to watch. And those are two teams that I, you know, have a vested interest in, you know. Well, and, and the that's Titans, Baltimore and the Titans. And the Titans have a vested interest in you watching their game. Exactly. So, so any chance they get to put the kibosh on another game during their window, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. Exactly. But the NFL does that on purpose. There's a certain number of weeks that, the, that your team, your local team, can sort of control the window. And that's just standard business practice. It's not every Sunday, but it's some Sundays. Last week there were two different twelve o'clock games on: mm-hmm. one on CBS, one on Fox. Not the Titans win, but the Titans, and then the Titans were, yeah, were on later. at three. Uh-huh. And I don't believe the, Fox had a, a late game nationally, unless it was no. I don't, was no, it the Cowboy did. game? No, no, no I don't think later. so. It was two weeks ago. It was yeah. two weeks ago. But but generally they're on at noon normally, and mm-hmm. most a lot of the times they can demand that their affiliate CBS not. Like amongst all the networks, that they are the only game that gets put like put like, in, their, part, in their city, in, in their region. city, and again, but that's yeah. not like what we're talking about. Sort of is like the broad yeah. collection of football fans across the country. What are we not watching, and what are we upset about, and what do we like about the game? And so that does, like you know, the caller's right about Nashville. Sure, you only get the one game. You also you know, if you have the Red Zone Channel. You know, you you watch. I, that's what I do. Is I have the Titans on one screen, and I have the Red Zone Channel on the other screen, yep. and that's what I have going. Um, and, and so I, I, I think there's a different conversation we're having. Now. So can you? This is what can you say this? Because there are what, maybe two type of fans, maybe three, uh, definitely two, but maybe three types of fans. There's the hardcore fan, man or woman, um, or kid. It don't matter. There's a hardcore fan. Then there's the Fan that don't care, and then there's the fan that okay, I watch the casual fan. I don't think the fan that that don't care, but if they're walking past and someone's watching this and watch it, 
they don't really care about the penalties because they, they they don't watch it anyway. It's just that it's there for them to watch, so they're going to watch. Fair, they're not going to complain about the penalties. But the you may hardcore, not you may not stick around yeah, though. If the it's hardcore tough to watch the hardcore person, girl or guy, they're going to complain about the penalties. And but they're also going to watch. watch. They're gonna but watch. I, but they're I also watch. I also don't it's think it's a hardcore middle, thing. It's that middle. It's an group. attention span thing. Yeah, but that's the middle group. Yeah, that, that's, that's that middle group big, big where it's. Yeah, I don't like, but I'm not okay. I'm not gonna sit here and watch this. Right, you like, know, like I'm a football fan. Exactly. I'm gonna check this out, but I've now seen three penalties, two reviews, four drop passes, yeah. and a turnover. So how many of those? So else how out. many? Of, how many of those are there? The middle group. I think that's the majority of fans. And now, in again, I think there's a, a diehard, passionate group of fans for every team and every sport, mm-hmm. right? Um, and then I think there's uh, the large percentage of Americans probably fall into the category of casual sports fan. I'm, I, saying, I, not, I would say, not, I'm saying football fan because I think there's there's a difference between your casual sport fan because I'm sort of a casual sport fan because I love basketball and I love football, but the other sports is like, I, uh, Right, I'm just saying, but I'm saying, even within each fan base, there's a, uh-huh. there's a casual group, right? Exactly. And I would say that most Americans, again, just guessing here, no data to back this up, mm-hmm. I'm just guessing that most Americans, if you say, you know, oh, okay, you're, you check the box, you're a baseball fan. Let's go to the second question. What kind of baseball fan are you? Die hard, casual, or whatever? And I think almost I would I would guess that the majority of people fall into the casual fan. There's probably twenty to thirty percent that are like diehards that watch every second of every game for their team and love the sport. Um, it, you know, th- there's certainly a big chunk of people that do that. But I would guess that most people fall into the category of listen. I got a job. I got kids. I got a family. I got this. I got chores. I got this. You know, we got stuff to do, so I'm going to watch the big game of the week and maybe catch my team, and that's about it. And that's probably that's probably the case for most people in most sports. And and I think most of us fall into that, which means you better have something good to hook us, right? Mm-hmm. Like, because you're to your point, Nick, about attention spans. It's yeah. Like you you better give me something good because I'm only going to give you one crack at this every Sunday. So it better be good. NFL fans, don't miss Nashville's best NFL pregame show. Start your morning off with the kickoff show from 10 to 1230, followed by the NFL pregame show featuring Jared Stillman, Floyd Reese, and Chris Sanders live from the George Jones downtown on 2nd Avenue this Sunday from 1230 to 230 before the Titans take on the Los Angeles Chargers. The NFL pregame show brought to you by Wholesale Inc., powered by RumbleOn.com. Kubota Tractors, your Middle Tennessee Kubota dealers, and Boomba's Craft Pizza and Tap House. We will come back, transition to a little bit of hockey for the remaining 30 minutes of this hour. It's time for coffee with the coach. Typically, we will have a coach on live, but obviously West Coast, things a little different. So Preds associate coach Dan Muse will join Pete Weber, and we'll do that next on Morning Drive. Welcome back into Morning Drive, ESPN 1025 The Game. Good to have you in live here on a Thursday. Nick Braden, D-May, Samarquise. The Predators wrap up their West Coast swing tonight in Arizona as they skate with the Coyotes. Of course, you can hear the play-by-play and the pregame right here on ESPN 1025 The Game. The goal, very simple, get another win and pick up four out of a six possible points on the road. That would be ideal. That would be solid before they head back to Bridgestone Arena. Every Thursday at 7.30, we do coffee with the coach. So far this season, we've had Peter LaViolette. We've had Preds associate coach Kevin McCarthy. 
couple a couple of weeks away, we'll get Dan Lambert in here. But today, Preds assistant coach Dan Muse, and since the boys are on the West Coast, he caught up with Pete Weber. Hi, I'm Pete Weber. It's time for Coffee with the Coach. This week's victim, if you will, is Predators assistant coach Dan Muse. Not a victim so much because when you're out in the road and things are going as they are right now, I know people love to talk to the coaches. And let's get your explanation. How are all these goals going in the net for the Predators at this point of the year? Well, I think we're we're doing a good job in terms of creating in some different ways. You know, I mean, there's the skill element, which is obviously there, and I think we have uh, skill and ability throughout our lineup. You know, just good forward depth. I think we have a, a lot of defensemen that can contribute offensively. Uh, but I also think that, you know, to be successful in this game, especially offensively, you have to find different ways to score goals. And in last night's game, um, the other night's game is a good example of it in the sense that, you know, I thought we scored some some beautiful goals but we also you know we did a good job there in terms of second effort uh, of getting to the hard areas of the ice to getting to the net front of getting traffic and you know and, and manufacturing some offense just through hard work and, and through second third and fourth efforts and and that's important and you know if you look at the the right now um, the goals that we have scored this season, I think there is a mix of some beautiful passing plays, some some great execution, but then also just hard work. And uh, I think you know to, to create offense in this league, it's really hard um, to create opportunities. Every team is so good defensively. All the goaltenders are so good. Uh, so you have to be able to create in different ways. And uh, I think you're seeing that here throughout our lineup, it's a, which is a good start. Uh, obviously, we need to make sure, though, that we continue to build on that game by game, especially early in the season as we're still continuing to build that identity. As you build that identity and you work at things, you'd have to think, I would think, as a staff, you guys were probably ready to set off flares with that great hard work multiple effort goal that tied the game early in the second period Tuesday. It's awesome. I mean, it's it, that's one of those, uh, it's a goal like that, it, it's huge just because of the score in the game, but it's also the momentum, the momentum that it creates for your team, and and that's uh, it goes beyond just the goal. It goes beyond just the scoreboard. It, it just it gets everybody on the bench going. It gets uh, the whole team going, especially when you're on the road. Um, you know, it just takes a little bit of the life out of their fans as well, um, which is tough to do in that place. It's very tough to do. It's a tough it's a tough building to play in, and that's why um, you know it's, it's a win that we we are and we should be proud of. It's a really hard building to go into and play, and that's a really hard-working team. So to go out there, especially in the second and third period, um, to play the, the style that we did and to see that, that second, that third efforts to really do a great job, uh, not just offensively but defensively, just getting above and taking away their time and space. Um, you know, it's a type of, it's a brand of hockey we want to be playing, and it's, a, it's good to see it in that building. And in a way, I would guess it helps set the stage for later on being successful doing it defensively in that building. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's a, again, that's a tough opponent, and every this league, it's so hard to win games. Um, so you have to be excited about every win. It, you have to enjoy every win. But you know, I think it is. It's when you, when you go up against an opponent who you know you know is um, the style that they play. You know the success that they've had. They're off to a good start. They have a lot of depth, and um, and, and and again in that building, uh, it just I think it, it goes a long way. And now it's it's over. We got to 
continue to build off of it, but it's definitely it's good to be uh, taking a step in the right direction with a win like that. I'm always curious about what it's like for you on the bench in a building like that. How is communication more difficult? Can you hear others? You, it, it, there's points in the game and in the louder buildings, and that's definitely one of them. Um, you know, for sure, there's times it can get it can be tough. You know, sometimes it depends on the point in the game. Sometimes you know you go into a, a TV timeout and you're trying to talk to guys, and it's just you know if their fans are, are really into it, or maybe they just had a scoring chance, or maybe they just had something that where the fans are going crazy. It is hard, um, but we want to make sure we try to. We go into other people's buildings. We want to keep their fans as quiet as possible. It's a uh, it's an interesting building. Even warm-ups, it's, yes. it's about as, as loud as it gets. I was always wondering, too, now, in, in that situation, you're waiting to hear what comes back from video control in certain situations. Should there be a challenge? Should there not? Is it more difficult to hear what's going on back in the video room? Um, I don't think so. Our guys do such a good job, though. I think it could be. I think it absolutely could be. I think there's instances where some teams maybe have that difficulty, but for us, I think our, our video staff, um, uh, led by Lawrence Filoni, is, I think it's the cream of the crop. I think it's the best in the league, and they know that. They know the building so well. I think they, they make sure that that information is relayed to us in more than one way, so if it is hard to hear, they'll make sure that we're getting what we need, and that's a credit to them. Yeah, and here you go. Go forward now, and tonight's game against Arizona, a team that not many people are talking about, but it it seems to me, from what I've been able to watch, they're beginning to put some things together here. Yeah, uh, as I said before, this league, every game it's hard to win. It doesn't matter what their lineup is, where they are in the standings. Uh, Every single night you're going to be going out there and you're going to be competing against some of the best players in the world. Um, That's what you have in this league. So it doesn't matter. And, you know, it's it's a team that I think that they've they've shown it the last few years that they've um, they've been right on that brink, I think, of break, right on the cusp of of breaking out and um, going from a a team that's been, you know, in the lower half of the middle of the pack um, to being a team that's really hard to play against. And I think they showed that a lot last year um, even when early in the season when maybe they weren't winning games they were really hard to play against and um, they got it going on they got it going later in the season so um, I think our guys know that you know again it's it, we're early in the season right now um, we have to have the mindset that it doesn't matter where we're playing who we're playing we need to make sure that we're playing our style of hockey shift in shift out three periods 60 minutes very well put now time to sip that coffee thank you so much Dan all right thank you take care all right, there you have it, Preds assistant Dan Muse with the voice of your Nashville Predators, Pete Weber. Another installment of Coffee with the Coach. Of course, they obviously taped that, I believe, yesterday or last night. Very difficult to get anybody on live when you're out in Arizona, West Coast road trip. But the Predators will do that tonight. They will wrap up their West Coast swing with the Coyotes, and then they'll be back at Bridgestone Arena this upcoming weekend. Yeah, they just have a bizarre time winning games in Arizona. I don't... There's not really an explanation for it. So um, tonight will be fascinating to watch because, again, they've struggled in that building against that team for whatever reason. Um, Maybe it's because Arizona tends to be a better defensive team. Maybe they catch them at times of the year where they've been hot in the past. They've certainly gone out there, I think, a couple seasons ago when Arizona had played a really good second half of the year and they caught them at a bad time and got beat. It's just just one of those weird things. Um, So we'll find out if they can keep the, uh, the offensive mojo going tonight. Kind of an interesting night in sports. You get a little of everything. You got Preds, Coyotes, Chiefs, Broncos, Yankees, Astros, UCLA, Stanford, college football. So it's like one of those, um, you know, 
uh, a la carte type nights. You just kind of pick yeah. and choose. I think, you, I think you dance around a little bit and, and move mm-hmm. around. The NFL game, I, for some reason, like listen, the Chiefs are sort of must see TV at any point. Um, but like, I don't even remember their opponent because it's not that it doesn't Denver, right? It doesn't feel like that big of a game, even though Denver's defense just looked like the greatest defense in the history of the world. Um, you know, Kansas City's must see TV. Um, the college game really leaves a lot to be desired today. What is it? UCLA and Stanford. That's, eh. I think, uh-huh. I think it's a baseball and, and predators night for me. Checking in on Mahomes. Once Mahomes is up big, I don't care anymore. All right. We will check in on one Nashville predator and his status for tonight's game. We'll do that when we come back here on Morning Drive on ESPN 1025 a game. Predators and the Coyotes tonight here on ESPN 102.5 The Game as they will wrap up their West Coast trip in Arizona tonight. Obviously, some really good players on this team. Oliver ekman Larson, Phil Kessel, Carl Soderberg. Uh, I was just reading the game preview because I, I can't sit here and name 15, 20 Coyotes, but uh, apparently Darcy Kemper, their goaltender, and, and we think Peck is off to a really good start this year, 4-0-0. He's been locked in, uh, but Darcy Kemper for the Coyotes, if I'm not butchering that last name, has been downright ridiculous. He will become the first goalie in franchise history of the Coyotes to allow two goals or fewer in 12 straight appearances. If he can do that again tonight, uh, he actually, so far this season through four games, has a save percentage of 9.55. This guy has stopped 127 of 133 shots. Yeah, he's been good. Predators offense might get a little test tonight. Yeah, and, and again, the history between these two teams is so bizarre. It's just it, Arizona will be one of the worst teams in the league. Nashville will be the best one, and they'll go out there and lose. It's just so strange. And um, You know, Matt, Matthew Shane, I was talking with uh, J.P. Dumont last night on Smashville Live, of course. And um, you know, he 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 thinks he he thinks Duchesne's going to get to ninety points this year. He doesn't think it's going to change. He doesn't think it's going to slow down. He thinks he's going to break Paul Korea's record, which is eighty two, um, and that this isn't a fluke. That it's all because of Duchesne. And and had some really interesting thoughts on why it's Duchesne and why the power play is working. Um, and so I, I listen. I are they going to finish at four seven? You know, four point seven goals per game. Of course not. Like, could they lead the league in goals though? Maybe. I mean, I. I I wouldn't bet on it. I, I would bet on that number coming back down to earth. But uh, th- this this is cl- like listen. They talked about it all off season. We're going to make our offense better. We're going to make our offense better, and their offense is better. And when you spend eight million eight million dollars on a, a center that's basically your first line center or your second line center, call him whatever the heck you want, and he's producing at a pretty high clip right out of the gate. It, it looks like that's like right now. And Kyle, I can't believe I agree with Stillman, but don't break up the fourth line. Like Kyle Turris is playing well now. He's carrying, mm-hmm. he's carrying that fourth line, but he is producing as a as a fourth line center. So again, right now, it ain't broke, you know. So don't try to fix it. Predators could be without one of their top players. Obviously, center Philip Forsberg departed against Vegas with just over nine minutes left in their last outing after a lower body injury. So we'll we'll find out game, about him. Game time decision tonight. I doubt. I would guess he's not going to play. If I had to guess, let me ask you this because you you mentioned what JP Dumont had to say about the ninety points, and you know it's Matt Duchesne, and he doesn't think he's going to slow down, and all of a sudden this offense is completely different. Isn't it funny how you know all spring and summer, all I wanted for the Tennessee Titans 
was a dynamic offensive game play, a game changer. Just somebody that could change the way the Titans' offense looks. What do the Predators do? They go out and get Matt Duchesne, and I know we're only six games into an 82-game schedule, but if this team ends up being, I don't know, a top five, top eight offense in the NHL, and it's clearly evident that we're all saying, whoa, Matt Duchesne was the night and day difference, doesn't that just almost kind of go back? I love bringing the two teams together. Because it's like I've been saying this for years with the Titans. Find me that game changer. I mean, I and I, I, I think, and I know Antonio Brown's a psycho, and I right, look like an idiot for wanting Brown. But that, that was well, my whole point. The, the difference is, is that there, the, the some of the names that have been available in the NFL are names for a reason, right? Golden Tate was available for a reason. We've seen what's happened with Golden Tate, right? <laughs> so it, it's. This is why I wanted Amari Cooper last year now, as a trade deadline. Cooper's one of the few that, that makes a little bit of sense. Again, I still don't think a first-round pick would have been worth it for Amari Cooper when you've got a young receiver in Corey Davis. I still like the idea of building through the draft. So I don't like going and paying for premium pieces in the NFL. NHL's different. They're, they last. The careers last longer. The health issues aren't as big of a concern. Generally, you know, there's less fluctuation between performance, right? It's less system-based. In the NHL, I think in the NFL, you're you know, as, especially as a receiver, you're dependent on your quarterback and the offense. I, I'm not sure if Jerry Rice and John Taylor were out there, they'd be producing right now. So I, I don't know if that's the reason. <laughs> that's like, bad, man. Like it's with the other, guys. I'm sorry, the offensive line <laughs> is freaking atrocious. I know, we know. Like that. it's like I'm sorry. If, I, I, I I'm sorry that I'm repeating myself a hundred times a day, but there is no reason to expect success for anybody. Derrick Henry, all the way out to Delaney Walker, to Marcus, or to Ryan, if the offensive line is going to be so stinking bad. And so I don't... I mean, I know it's apples to oranges. I just love the I fact that... I think falls into a great situation yeah. on a great line. He's playing with Philip Forsberg, like a guy you've been courting for two and a half years, a guy who wanted to be here. I just think it's, I just don't think you can compare adding Matt Duchesne as a, quote, playmaker and compare that to maybe going and trading a first-round pick for Amari but, Cooper. But think about... I see your point. I get Think it. about I what David don't. Poyle did. David Poyle mm-hmm. said, okay, you know what? we got a ton of defensive talent. I'm going to trade P.K. Subban, and I'm going to get offense. Now, obviously, it's nice to have a guy like Dante Fabro where you can sit there and say, okay, I can bring him in and right. feel like I don't miss much of a beat, mm-hmm. at least, you know, long-term. I mean, John Robinson's got a ton of defensive players, a ton of defensive talent. Well, why not trade one of your defensive players to get somebody on offense? And I know we've talked about the offensive line probably being the position you would trade for. Well, I mean, it's 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 different um, yeah. in, in 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 these sports. Uh, whereas you can go out and you can get one guy in basketball or say hockey, and you know it can change the fortunes uh, of your team. Um, if it's not the quarterback in football then it's going to, even with the quarterback, it's still going to take a long time to change the fortunes of your team. If only The only way you change it with the quarterback is if you already have a system built around him, the players around him, then you insert that quarterback. Um, because there's not too many, you know, Peyton Manning, uh, Andrew Lux uh, running around here. Guys that come into the NFL and they just are ordained right away. Not because, it, you know, they are, it's because they've earned that right to be ordained because of what they've done. And it's just these are these once-in-a-generation type of players. Those guys change franchises as soon as they step on the field. But for the most part, you know, a quarterback comes in, he needs help around him. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes, exactly. a transcendent even, player, sat on his butt for a exactly. year. Exactly. So, yeah, you can do that in some sports, get one guy. Yeah, you can get a Matt Duchesne and come in here, and it just all of a sudden it looks different. Uh, but it's not that way, I don't think, in football. But there's still aspect of the Preds game 
that are struggling. Their defense, they're giving up goals. They are one of you know they're 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 one of the I don't want to say worst, but based on no, goals they're, they're, given up, they're, they're not, not good. As, they're they're not, not as good as they, as they as they have been. When when PK Subban is not on your defense, you're not as good defensively. Exactly. That's it. It's not like so. To your point, Nick. Like yes, not not, not every team is fortunate enough. Like let's let's continue the Titans analogy here. This would be like trading away Jarrell Casey, knowing that you've got a defensive lineman that can play his role right mm-hmm. away, and Jeffrey Simmons does not play the same position. Jeffrey Simmons plays a different position. But to be able to trade away Jarrell Casey for a stud offensive lineman would be like the same thing as trading P.K. Subban for a stud offensive player. The the difference is, is Fabro stepped in, and the defense got, is, is a little worse this year. Like The defense is not as good. Again, very short sample size. I'm assuming it rounds into form. They're still very good in their top four. But if Simmons is really good for the Titans and Daquan Jones can play and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at a defense, you know, that that's you, you feel comfortable trading Jarrell Casey, that's different. They just don't have depth. And in the NFL, you don't have like it, you just you're playing with such a such a short deck in the NFL when you have 53 man roster where like we argue about the last guy on a roster being able to play three different things. Right. Like you got to be kick return punt return and a receiver right mm-hmm. like like there's just not a lot of spots in the NFL and if one guy can can cost you in a big way whereas Fabro we're talking about is the fourth defenseman right you know we're talking about sixth and seventh and eighth defenseman on a team mm-hmm. where only two of them play at a time so it, it just feels a little different it's hard to compare the two coming up next we will kick off hour number three with our buddy Joe Rexroad from the Athletic it's morning drive live here on a Thursday on ESPN 1025 the game